The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Mark chapter 7. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, for a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside in private away from the crowd and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The commercial opens with a young man trying to skateboard down a stair rail and falling three times. If people say your dreams are crazy, says a voice, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. As the voice continues, you see images of athletes with physical disabilities who are doing things on wrestling mats and basketball courts that most of us with fully working limbs couldn't do on our best day. You see the first U.S. Olympian to wear a hijab, Iftihaj Mohammed, as she practices the fencing skills that earned her a bronze medal in 2016. You see a young girl who is both her high school's homecoming queen and a linebacker on its football team. And you see Serena Williams power that perfect serve down the tennis court. As the voice says, if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player, become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. But the moment this commercial is most known for is in the middle when NFL athlete Colin Kaepernick, whose voice we have been hearing all along, finally looks into the camera and says quietly, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. You probably know there have been a lot of reactions to that moment. Though this commercial is, let's face it, meant to sell us Nike gear, Some people have chosen to give away or even burn their Nike products in protest. Others have gone out and bought Nike gear when they never would have before. One quick moment, nine short words, 
can light a firestorm. The same thing happens in the gospel today, although it's 11 words this time that do the same thing, that light a firestorm, that break open a silence and force the listeners, really one listener in particular, to make a decision about how to respond. Sir, says this voice, even, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Well, let's back up a little bit. Jesus is in the region of Tyre, says the gospel, which doesn't necessarily mean much to you if you're not looking at a map, but is shorthand for telling us that Jesus has wandered out of his comfort zone. For the first part of the gospel, Jesus has been mostly among his own people, the Jewish people. But now for the first time, at least as Mark's gospel tells it, Jesus is outside in a primarily Gentile area. Many times we think of the woman in the story as the outsider, and she and Jesus are different in a lot of ways, to be sure, but Jesus is in her territory. He's the outsider in this story. All the amazing things that Jesus has done up to this point in the gospel have mostly been for his own people. Now, he's made his way into unfamiliar territory, and it's a risk the way it's a risk for any of us to do something unfamiliar and unknown. Interestingly, Jesus starts his new chapter of ministry in exactly the same way as he started in the first place, by casting out a demon and by healing somebody. But there is a moment in this story when we're not sure if either of those things will happen, because there is a conversation that might so easily have gone another way. An exchange from which both people could easily have stormed off in anger and frustration and never spoken to each other again, and everything would have been different. It starts because a woman has heard about Jesus, and she has come to find him because her child is sick. Her child is in a pain that she cannot stop and doesn't know how to fix. You don't have to have had a child in terrible pain to imagine what this woman's desperation is like. You can guess that she's tried everything else. What else would lead her, a Gentile woman, to track down an itinerant Jewish rabbi on the basis of rumors that he might be able to help her? Who else but someone desperate to save a person they love would do this kind of thing? Maybe that's why she doesn't walk away. She doesn't simply slink away in shame when Jesus says to her what he says. Because as much as we'd like to believe otherwise, what Jesus says to her is offensive and harsh. Let the children be fed first, he says to this mother. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. I would love to explain to you in fancy theological terms and possibly using some ancient Greek why this sentence is not as bad as it sounds. Or how the term dog in the first century was not as bad as it is now. But there is no biblical magic to be worked here. It was just as offensive then as it is now to call someone a dog. 
It was just as laced with racism and, in this case, sexism. It was just as personally hurtful and publicly embarrassing as it still is and probably evermore shall be. So why? Why does Jesus say this? Why does Jesus say this? Well, maybe, some say, Jesus is simply saying a word out loud that everybody there was already thinking, forcing them to admit what they're too ashamed to say out loud. Maybe, says one preacher, he's floating this word like a slow-pitched softball over home plate, precisely so this fierce young mother can hit it out of the park. Maybe. Maybe Jesus is tired. The story indicates that he might be. He's gone looking for a place alone, and once again, he can't find any quiet or privacy without someone needing him for something. Maybe Jesus is fully human, and being fully human just like us, he swims in the waters of bias and bigotry that we all do that try to drown us every day. At any rate, we don't get to know why, which means we can't explain it away. We just have to live with the discomfort and the shock that Jesus' words caused to us, much as they must have caused to that young mother the first time he said them. From this point, there are two crucial moments in this story, I think. Two moments in which everything could have been different, could have gone downhill and fast. The first is right here. The silence that follows Jesus' words. Whatever reason it is that he said them, whether he's said a taboo word out loud or he's made a terrible mistake, there is a pause and a silence. What will this mother do? Well, what do you do when you are faced with words that hurt you, that cut you, that call you something less than who you are, less than loved, even less than human? Or what do you do if you hear something like that said in your presence, a racist comment, a sexist joke, a thoughtless and careless word that slices open someone's heart? Do you stay silent? Do you walk away? Or do you speak? Well, the mother speaks. And indeed, she hits the ball out of the park. She refuses to be silenced, and she refuses to walk away. Everyone is outside their comfort zones now. But because she spoke, the story keeps going. The healing is still possible. The transformation and new life and freedom is still possible. First, because this woman spoke. Listening to her, we have to ask ourselves, when is it time for us to speak? When is the Spirit of God pushing us outside of our comfort zones, outside what we have always thought and believed? When is it time for us to confront the hurt and pain and injustice that words cause every day? When is it time to stop walking away? Can we gather up our courage in that pause long enough to speak? But there's a second crucial moment in the story, and it's still coming. A second silence 
in which everything still could have changed. Now the silence is waiting for Jesus. The woman has spoken, and what will he do? Will he argue with her? Will he explain to her why he's right? He didn't mean it to sound that bad. She shouldn't be so offended and take it so personally. He's just asking her to wait her turn. What will he say? What do you do when you're confronted with the fact that you have been the one to cause the hurt and the pain? When you made the racist joke or the sexist comment, when it's your words, even when you didn't mean to, that made someone feel less than, less than loved, less than themselves, even less than human. If you are, like most of us, a sort of standard-issue human being, then your first instinct is probably to defend yourself. Explain yourself. You didn't mean it. Argue your side and prove your point, and maybe even, eventually, walk away. And isn't that how we all got here? Some of us burning our Nike gear, and others of us going out to buy more, and none of us able to talk about any of it. What happens in that second silence? The one when we realize that all of this stuff, all of this mess and hurt and brokenness in the world isn't somebody else's fault, but ours. What happens when we find ourselves in a grave that we dug, an ending that we wrote, in a war that we didn't start, but sure haven't ended? Well, you know what happens to Jesus when he ends up in a grave. He walks out of it. And he shows us the way. It's no different this time, even when the grave is made of his own words. He shows us how to keep the story going so that the healing is still ahead of us and the transformation can still happen. He stops, he listens, and he turns around so that they heal each other, these two the rabbi who sets the daughter free, and the mother who sets the rabbi just as free. Jesus goes on to heal that man who couldn't hear by placing his fingers in his ears and saying to him, be opened. But none of that would have happened if Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman hadn't been open to each other, hadn't been willing to listen and speak to each other. Everything would have ended in isolation and silence, and maybe not just for that man. Sometimes we need the courage to speak, and sometimes we need the courage to listen. Sometimes we are the ones who get to offer the words of healing, and sometimes we need to admit it's our turn to be healed. Both of those take courage. Both of those are gospel. And to do them both, sometimes you do have to sacrifice everything. But sometimes that's where the new story can begin. Thanks be to God. Amen.